Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week, for the first time in a month, Joe, it's Joe. It's been Lundgren. way too long, Bruce. Way too long. You've okay. aged. We'll You've let the, aged. We'll let the we'll let the viewers decide that. But, <laughs> Who's um, aged more? <laughs> no, we'll let the decide the viewers decide. It's been way too long. I guess since we haven't been on together in about a month, it, it wouldn't be a bad idea that I kind of challenge you to tell me how you feel today compared to a month ago. Why don't we start with that? So uh, I, I'll use the classic two-handed economist or just say simply that it's, <laughs> I see you shaking your head, that is complicated. Uh, I feel a lot better about the US. I feel uh, worse about Europe. And it, I think there's a creeping concern that uh, I'm worried about China. In some sense, we always knew China was a was a concern, but uh, I'm I think some of those concerns are are coming to bear. So that's where I'm at. And then globally, I think uh, worried about the global goods sector. I mean, I think if I were going to kind of put this together, I would say that there's a a major abatement of global recession risks, at least in the near term, simply because- Because we have, have Europe in recession. No, because, because you <laughs> don't have- The risk is a... no longer there. <laughs> All right, be quiet for a second. Okay. Be, because you don't have a global recession without a US recession. And to the degree that you take uh, US recession risk down uh, as a result of what we've been seeing in the data flow, uh, not least of which is today's employment report. Um, you know, it makes you feel that it's a lot more likely that what we're going to enter into here in in what you described is more of one of these phases of regional divergences, which we've been through with some pretty substantial regional shocks, a la what happened after the taper tantrum in EM, or what happened um, in the European sovereign crisis phase, or going back further to the Asian financial crisis uh, of the late 90s. Uh, those are phases which feel more reasonable to think about in a context of what you described about a European recession taking hold than the slide into a global downturn, which, you know, a month or two ago, we were uh, obsessing over getting, you know, concerned about um, as we were tracking uh, the data. Yeah, I mean, if we want to call a global recession a U.S. recession, then yeah, I'm not. I I really feel a lot better about the U.S. now, and I think the data flow over the course of the year has has improved. Obviously, the payroll, the job market continues to be resilient. Uh, importantly, I think the claims numbers, which were uh, a warning shot, as that those were moving up over the last couple months, that has started to come down, and that takes a big part of the risk out. And I, I think the big thing in my mind is that we should really be preparing ourselves for an updraft on the consumer as purchasing power uh, comes back in a world where labor income is strong and inflation is falling rapidly. So all of that is good. We can get into the conversation. By I just let me add one thing here because I think it's important in this conversation because. All of those things you described about the U.S. are um, part of the story, but the other part, which I think is underplayed, is the idea that uh, when we got the data on um, uh, the second revision to U.S. The, the second print on U.S. GDP, we found out that profits were quite a bit stronger than we had anticipated. In fact, profit growth for the U.S. in the first half of the year 
is now running plus 8% annualized. Um, and that um, feeds into a much stronger GDP, global uh, gross domestic income number than GDP. It feeds into a corporate sector, which now makes somewhat more sense um, why they're in expansion mode in the way they are. Um, and that's that's an important part of the story, not not losing sight of the points you you raised. And not losing but, sight of the fact that the pressures are still building there, as well as the fact that it is corporate, not overall business. So I think some of that pressure on margins that we, we've been worried about could be in the non-corporate space, which is a big part of the economy. Yeah. Um, so let's leave the U.S. because I think in some sense, the questions here right now are about other parts of the world. And, and quite frankly, the European story in some ways is easy, which is we're getting high inflation. Uh, we think that the risk of that squeeze, which is by no means finished here, the intensification of those energy price pressures into CPI, into consumer purchasing power is going to build in the next few months. That's going to take a region which is already looking soft down. But the Asian story to me is the hard one to make sense of. And, and you know, we've been struggling with this a little bit. China is lifting and even against the backdrop of that lift, uh, other countries in the region look to be softening uh, through middle part of the year, early summer. What's what's your take on what's going on there? Well, I mean, it's a lot of cross currents in the in the region. So, yeah, you have you have the China lift, which is about a, a reopening kind of as as the, you go through the, the, the post covid in April uh, lockdown. Um, but I, I think one the, that impulse is is not as big uh, in the sense that we're seeing some disappointments on the domestic demand side, which is why policymakers in China are trying to ramp up um, you know the supports, and we've seen some fiscal thrust numbers move up there. But the the, the bottom line is for China, we just think that the, the 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 lift is getting smaller. We lowered China growth. We took a percentage point off growth in the third quarter this week, and we took a half a percentage point off growth in the fourth quarter. So that impulse is coming off a little bit. And I will say the risk remains, as you're seeing the stories of lockdowns and COVID cases picking up. And you know we've been flagging this for since the start of the that, that April lift in COVID cases, and, and it's now coming home to roost. So I, I'm very, very worried about the China story. And then outside that, I think there are some kind of more cyclical stories that are leading to varied outcomes across the, the, the region in the sense that there's a tech story that is, um, you know, you know, coming off as the work from home build out and the school from home build out. This was something we had you know, worried about going back since really the start of the expansion that this wasn't going to last too long. And and that worry was largely kind of not not met in the sense that tech continued to do relatively well, even as services recovered. And one possibility is it is just starting to come back to earth now. And you can see it in a lot of the Taiwan numbers. And I would frankly just point out that IP in July is down in every country that has reported. That's Korea, that's Taiwan, that's Singapore, that's Thailand, that's Vietnam. Uh, and this was at a time when we were supposed to be seeing the China updraft, right? So you're seeing these contractions. I think if there's any silver lining, and I was talking about cross currents, the one that's going the other way is I, I think the auto story is, is playing out. You can see it in Japan, which has a more important autos relative to the tech compared to, say, Taiwan. And, you know, there, the Japan numbers actually 
have been on the stronger side. And I think the auto story for everyone globally that's exposed to that, that you still have room for a levered bounce there. And, and when it comes, it could be, I think it could be fairly important. Well, um, that's not really in our forecast. So let's just sort of recognize that. I think the other side of this, which I think we should make clear is that um, this is an unusual period of manufacturing weakness because while manufacturing weakness is a negative clearly for Asia specifically and globally, uh, the weakness on the demand side is part of the story as to why we're getting commodity prices come off, why we're getting supply constraints come off, uh, why we're why getting we're seeing inventory inflation. building. Um, and why, well, that's an interesting question about what inventories are doing, especially in the context of the second quarter on the US where inventory building came off quite quite sharp. Yeah, I pushed uh, you on this point on on this call, I think, last week. The, 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 it's hard to square- Not last week, we haven't been- Or whatever, last week. month. It's hard to square the manufacturing inventories and demand story in the US. They just don't add up, right? right. So I, I, I agree, the inventories is complicating the US, but I think there is a story of inventories lifting. I mean, the big thing that got us concerned on the good side this week, uh, and this is probably one of the bigger negative uh, pieces of news, you know, that contrasts with the U.S. payroll report, is that the manufacturing PMI was was very very ugly and points to a pretty deep contraction when you look at what new orders are doing and it going down and inventories going up. That's a pretty strong signal of a of a deep contraction in in the goods sector. And and to your point, Asia was was some of the uglier numbers in right. that report. But I just want to make sure we understand that in a world in which part of the problem of growth in the last year, year and a half, has been the pressures that strong demand in good sectors has created in terms of inflation and supply constraints. There is a second order benefit of this. I'm not trying to argue it's first order, but a second order benefit in terms of the alleviation of some of those uh, pressures. And that I think is- yeah, Another word for second up. order benefit is Pyrrhic victory. Well, okay, let's let's leave it there. If we're talking about Peric victories, let's talk about central banks. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, we have the ECB up next week, and um, we have is the ECB up next week, or is it the I should get myself right here on this one, but uh, we do have a whole bunch of central bank meetings coming up. Let's talk to the um, issue of what we're going to see. So what what is it that we expect to see from the ECB? Well, the ECB we up we we we're debate. The reason I'm hesitating right now is because I think we're debating on the team. I mean, there's our there's our house call, and what's coming from Greg is that they're going to be very aggressive here, and I think that's the general message everywhere that central banks are going to be aggressive in a world where inflation is high, and we just got yet another upside inflation surprise this week from uh, from the euro area, and so now we think that the ECB hikes 75 basis points. Uh, at the upcoming meeting here. And then it follows that with 50 basis points and then follows it with another 25. So we have 150 basis points by the end of this year to complement the 125 we expect from the Fed and the 125 from the Bank of England. Uh, however, I, I, I'm just, this is my own plug. I, I do wonder, I can see why they'd want to front load some of the, the hikes, which is why we changed the 50 to 75. Um, but I'm thinking if Europe, is in recession, whether they're still going to be hiking as we look get to December. 
Um, and we have growth in the euro area contracting 2% annualized in the fourth quarter, 2% annualized in the second quarter. And by the way, we have inflation, which we think is going to be down uh, well below 3% by the end of next year. So if you kind of think that's the the, the picture and you believe that it's not clear that you need to really be hiking to generate an even bigger downturn. So I, I think personally, well, I think I'm timing not... of this is, is tricky. Yeah, and I think exactly. when, you, when you have a tangible signal that you're contracting, I think the ECB will stop. But I think up until that point, when you're dealing with risks of recession uh, and you're also dealing with what we expect to be a 12% annualized gain in CPI in next quarter, uh, your job is to get policy to neutral, at least, um, you know, you're, yeah, you're but not... do you, I mean, you know, you don't look at headline to do that. Well, it doesn't right, so matter. You can't, to you me. can't four, throw out a 12% number. And, that, that... Core is running four and a half. I mean, okay, let's, let's leave the headline aside. Core is running four and a half. Labor markets are tighter than they were at any time since monetary union. I think the right balancing of risk here at the minimum is to get policy to neutral. Um, and you're at zero now. So that's why I think it makes sense to move quickly. That's why I think it makes sense. Who knows exactly where the committee thinks um, uh, neutral is, but it's somewhere between one and 2%. So I think you need to get there quickly. I think that's what they're gonna do. I don't have any doubt that once you see recession take hold, if you're really beginning uh, to get that kind of data flow, um, you will pause, but it's going to take a while before you see it, partly because the European data is just slow in coming. And I we do don't think have any cuts need... in our forecast, right? You think you'll sit at neutral? I think you probably will if you get the kind of recession we're forecasting. Yeah, I think you'll just sit at neutral here uh, because it's going to be slow in the downdraft on inflation. And it's going to be, I mean, it, at least according to what Greg and team have forecasted, the unemployment rate doesn't really rise above 7% in the euro area, which is actually pretty darn uh, tight. Uh, and you could argue that's one of the things they want to see in terms of a, um, a a macro outcome. You know, part of the story here is, is this going to be a intensifying drag as you go through the winter, or is it going to be a big drag that you're feeling like you're making your way through without rationing and without magnifying forces? And that's, that's quite frankly, we don't know, no much about uh, at this point in time. So it could play out a number of different ways, but I'm I'm okay with the call that they get somewhere to neutral. They kind of stay there, ride it out. And if we're, you know, finding a way to recover into the uh, spring of next year, that the ECBs kind of sits at the, at the, at, at somewhere between one and 2% here, which they get to pretty quickly. Um, but let's, let's just for, sort of for round out. The markets are forecasting a lot more than that. So we do actually have a fairly dovish call, even, even though I'm pushing somewhat more dovish, uh, you know, we're sitting on the dovish side of where market is. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think they need to get moving quickly. I think they should, if you're in recession, stop moving at that point. <laughs> so we'll see if we're right about that. On the other side, I think, you know, the idea that the market has the fed easing in the second half of next year. Um, even from a policy rate that gets to about 4% is hard to see unless you actually have something like a recession in the U.S., which right now, of course, we're not forecasting. Um, so um, let's leave it there. Uh, there's a lot of other things to be watching, um, and we will be getting starting to get some China data, which we pointed out earlier is 
uh, is important in, in, in this case. And yeah, we get the trade numbers next week. Important, we get the um, services PMI next ah, week, which yeah, I think is going to be a important read to see how much resist. Because I think one thing that's happening in this good sector part of the economy we're worried about, uh, despite the kind of good feelings on the U.S., the good sector kind of has us worried. I, I think what bails us out is um, is is the service sector. Some of it what bails us out is the inflation coming off purchasing power lift and auto sector potentially. Uh, but services are a big, big part of the story. And uh, next week's PMIs on that will be important because those were also kind of grim in the last report. It'd be nice to see that turn around. Yeah, I think one of the interesting issues there is that in the US we had such a contrasting signal from the PMI and the ISM. Yeah, that's right. The non-manufacturing, it's not clear what to read out of that. Well, but it'd be nice to see a correction there in the, in a positive way. <laughs> All right. So I think we'll leave it there. Um We've been rusty here, I can see, because we haven't been doing this for a while. But uh, but you look good, Bruce. You have a nice tan. Yeah. Apologies for that. And uh, hope that we can continue this conversation again next week on JP Morgan TV.